The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by Eno, the Capital One Assistant. What's in your wallet? Adnan Thursdays mean everybody's in a great mood the entire three hours, including Adnan. If you were in a bad mood, would you tell me? I don't even know. Uh, I think I just feel a bit quieter than normal. You feel like, all right, I think he's a little bit. I can't wait to see what you game when you're old. When you're really old. <laughs> think, Sitting in my yeah, diaper, assisted yeah. living. Yes. Just popping wheelies in the wheelchair. You're going to be so social at the nursing home. Playing backgammon. Yeah. If that still exists at that time. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in your love life. Like, hopefully everything works out. <laughs> no, perfect. you're right. But, like, yeah. I could see you dating multiple, you know, like, ah, you know, I got a, I got an 80-year-old and windy. Maybe, I was going to say, I don't know about dating, but maybe yeah. flirting quite a bit. Flirt. You're going to be I, a crazy I, flirt I, at the right. nursing home. <laughs> hey, what's going on? That guy to... used to be on ESPN. Like, yeah. now he's just a crazy old flirt. Yeah, yeah, right. Watching these old movies. He's going through Reader's Digest trying to find spelling errors. <laughs> I love Reader's Digest. It really yeah. helped. No, when I account. when I used to go to my grandmother's nursing home, there was Reader's Digest in there, and apparently, I, did you know this? This is the oldest story maybe I'll ever tell. Like I'm it. too young at 42 to tell it, but the, apparently, if you could find a grammatical error in Reader's Digest, they'd send you a check. Really? Yeah. So she was like, "Get at it." So oh, I'd, I'd light her up the Paul Malls, and then I'd look through Reader's Digest. But I mean, I was a kid, so I mean, what am I going to figure? Because I'm going to screw up a seven, you know? Because right. there's a rule with quotes more than seven words. Comma, yeah. you know. That's great. Yeah, I it's couldn't figure of, it out. Like certain things like have changed, right, in terms of the way people consume media now and, you know, print media. <laughs> but I love the fact that Reader's Digest, at least for a couple of guys like you and me, brings about good memories. Like that, that I didn't actually have nostalgia. a great time. It was all secondhand smoke. Well, Old people were touching me. I mean, I love my grandma, but. But will you wait to see the number of tweets people are going to go, hey, you know what? I was also a Reader's Digest guy. Can we double check that Reader's Digest used to send you a check if you found a grammatical error? Because now it's just everybody just goes on Twitter right away, and they don't only, not only find grammatical errors, they find everything else. Okay, right. so that's how we're starting the show. There, we need to do an update, too, on the famous person that I sent a text to, and they said who and where in response to me when I put my name in the text. So that wasn't a huge <laughs> ego boost yesterday. But it is an ego boost Thursday because Adnan Burke is Thank here. You, the Rosillo Show, Straight Talk, Time for Straight Talk, Wireless. Best phones, best networks, no contracts. I did an emergency Rosolo NBA pod today. Yeah, we had to. We had to get it out. And last night watching Joel Embiid and the Sixers beat the Lakers, it was, and I'm kind of joking about this, but I feel like Joel Embiid's birthday should now be November 15th, 2007. (laughs) Coming out party. Absolutely. 46 points, 15 boards, 7 assists. Seven blocks. That's in 34 minutes. He's 14 to 20 from the floor. And another sneaky, maybe more important deal here, not just two or three from three, but 16 to 19 from the free throw line. And and the NBA world is losing its mind this morning. The last NBA player to put up at least 40 points, seven assists, and seven blocks in a single game, Julius Irving in 1982. And if you want to go even more historical perspective, the last player to put up at least 40 points, 15 boards, seven assists, seven blocks, that was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and it took him four overtimes to do it in 1980. So just the the literally the epitome of a monster stat sheet stuffer. And this kind of just continues the conversation we've been having, Ryan, about Philadelphia and the fact that if you love what they've done, if you love the process, then this is one of the examples that, that vindicates it. Because you say, 
All right, for every New Orleans Noel, there's going to be a Joel Embiid and a Ben Simmons. And last night, I'm thinking, oh, Simmons versus Ball. This is going to be a ton of fun. Instead, Embiid completely wipes away everybody. Simmons still had a great night. Lonzo was terrible. We'll get to that in a second. But Embiid, like, that's, that's exactly what you pay for. That is as good as advertised. I don't even know if we will get to Lonzo because the Embiid part of it is so great. It is making me rethink what I think young teams can do. I loved Embiid, okay, out of the draft. I thought he was the best player, but I understood teams not wanting to take him and being afraid, but I liked that Hinky took him third. He sits for two years. He plays 31 games total in his third season. And I'm going, hey, I know how good he could be, but he's he's always hurt. Like, how do you deal with this? And it wasn't just now that he's good. It's that we're looking at somebody who can really force us to ask insane questions, going, how soon could he be the best player in the NBA? Does he change the way we look at small lineups? Because look what the Lakers tried to do. They tried to go small with Randall against him, and he owned him. And I don't know what Luke Walton was doing with some of the defensive matchups last night. And you know maybe that's unfair because it's still Embiid when somebody's this special. And you can't foul him like you can foul other big guys because he makes all of his free throws. And if you do go and double-team Embiid, he's going to find the right pass to make. So that's the scary thing about this Sixers team that, again, I thought I liked the Rock. I like the talent, but I expect them to be bad because it's a young team and those teams are bad on defense. And instead, they pass it more than anybody else in the NBA. The offense at times hasn't been great, but last night it was overwhelming. They're average defensively, which is still pretty impressive for a team that hasn't really even played together. They're insanely long when it's Embiid, Sarich, Simmons, and Covington, who's 6'9", and his job apparently is to never miss three-point shots. So that's four dudes that are enormous just clogging up the lanes and... Simmons has great vision. Sarich can pass. And Embiid is a great passer for a guy his size. I, the first thing that stood out to me when I watched him at Kansas, and you watch his improvement from the beginning to the end of that one season at Kansas, you go, wait a minute, he's getting into the post now. He sees the double come across, and he's immediately kicking it out opposite to a three-point shooter. This is crazy. How does he already understand all these things? So you can see these things here, but i got to tell you, there's still this little part of me that goes, well, more often than not, Adnan, this young team – they're going to have this weird stretch where they are under 500. They're not this great. They're not, but it's almost like the rules are broken because every week we're finding this new young NBA player that makes us wonder, is this guy going to be the best player in the NBA in a couple of years? And Embiid announced his presence last night in a late game in LA where they've been out there for the whole week. And it's, it's just, you're in awe of the whole thing. And like you said, injuries are always a part of things. And obviously, with Embiid's career, there's always going to be some concern. That, that, that just exists, I think, anytime with big men in general. But obviously, as you, you mentioned, the fact that he kind of got a slow start to his career. But obviously, these kinds of games are not always going to be happening. But they're, they're a glimpse of potential. They're a glimpse of what could be a consistent 2010-type force. And even Simmons said he was on the cusp of triple-double. He had 18 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds. That alone from Ben Simmons is worth celebrating and a great night. But instead he gets overshadowed by how good Embiid was. And he was joking. I could have a triple-double, but Embiid took one of my rebounds. Yeah, Embiid has the night he has. And the pregame on Countdown for us here at ESPN was, is Ben Simmons the greatest rookie ever? Now, yes, that seems a bit, you know, that's that's an aggressive statement. Right. But look what the Sixers did with him. And I love Brett Brown. I want a Brett Brown jersey. I want a jersey that celebrates a coach that sees 6'10 Ben Simmons and goes, you know what? Go play point guard. And then when we bring in some guards, you're going to go play power forward. Go be all of these things because you can do them all. And Simmons can't even shoot. Simmons dribbles into these spots where he's wide open, 7, 10 feet away from the hoop, and he won't. he's got this weird jump hook. He did this underhand shot. He can't shoot right now, and he's dominating people as a rookie. Here's Embiid. I love LA. I love the Staples Center, so uh, I wanted to come by here and like, put on a show, so I did. You've been telling us you're not quite in shape yet. It's kind of hard to believe after a game like that. 
Yeah, I mean, what I'm saying, like, I'm not in shape. It's just about, like, basketball, like, shape, like, um, uh, I'm still not dead. I got a, I got a little bit high um, towards the end, but uh, it's getting there. I mean, I play, what, 35 minutes a night again, so it's getting there. Think about this league, and this is the tweet I sent out today. I go, this is like exploring in the late 1400s where you'd get on your boat and then you'd hit up some island and you go, man, look at all this fruit and zinc. And then you get to the next island and you go, we have fruit, zinc, and silver. And you're like, next thing you know, you're in, you're in Venezuela. And you go, we've got waterfalls, we've got gold, we have cows, we've got all sorts of stuff. Like every we started going, is Giannis going to be the best player? Could he be the MVP? Is Porzingis actually a guy that can carry a franchise? Look at what... Ben Simmons is doing as a rookie. Look at Jokic out in Denver. Oh, my God. Like, okay, so Embiid is good, too. Is Carl Anthony Towns the guy you'd most want? Every week, the evolution of the NBA human has been rapid, and it's almost overwhelming here in two years. And Embiid, if he's healthy, may be better than all of these dudes and better than anybody that's playing right now in this league in a couple years. Again, that seems really aggressive, and I, I understand that. But here's Windhorse, what, just a week ago, talking about the personality of Embiid. It's this week, okay. The key is is that he knows he can do it. He knows when his when his opponents can't handle him. He courts it. He loves uh, going up against Andre Drummond. He wants to embarrass him. He wants to embarrass Hassan Whiteside. He wants to embarrass DeAndre Jordan. That type of personality, combined with the type of talent he has, is the recipe for what a great player is. Kobe knew. At a certain point in his career, he couldn't be defended. Other players don't have it. Like Andrew Wiggins has the ability to do that a little bit, but he doesn't have the personality. You look at Embiid, he's got it. And that's one of the things that, my goodness, if he stays healthy, because of that killer attitude, he's got the whole package. One last thing here for me, Adnan, and that is when I watched him against the, against the Clippers earlier this week, you know, Willie Reed got so mad that he tried to tackle him. And Embiid laughed at him. He laughed at Willie Reed. He looked at DeAndre Jordan. He stared down Blake Griffin and was just looking at him. And last night somebody started messing with him, and he didn't get mad. He just It was a young player in now his second year of playing looking at an opponent, and he looked like he felt bad for the opponent because it's like you just there's nothing you can do with me. There's nothing you guys can do with me. So you can try to mess with me, but like it ain't happening, man. Yeah, with some young players, it's like this cockiness, it's a swagger. But with him, it's almost different. It's almost like an adult-type confidence. It's almost like veering on arrogance, which is actually what you want in a young player. It's almost like you said, you can't mess with me. Like, I'm not out here to put on a show for you, but I'm just going to let my skills stand for themselves. And if there's a little bit of a flash on top of it, that's great. Like he said last night, I wish there was more trash talkers in L.A. Like, he's, he's scoffing at the fact that nobody can put up with him. And I'm like, in this case... That type of confidence, I take that as a positive. Maybe it's a little bit arrogant, sure, but it's, it, it feels like there's substance to back it up. Maybe that's why I don't mind the fact he's got that attitude to him. I have a thing I want to tell you about where we compliment millennials, okay? Mm. That'll be next. I'm serious. Straight Talk Wireless, nationwide coverage on America's largest and most dependable 4G LTE networks. And also with all the coaching vacancies that we could see, um, I talked to somebody last night that, that said, you know, I wish there were more coaches out there that were available because of all the vacancies we could have. So we'll rank the vacancies yep. and compliment millennials next with Adnan Burke, the Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. 
Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. Today's horoscope brought to you by GEICO. Capricorns, today is a perfect day for romance and fun-filled activities with your partner. And by fun-filled activities, we mean shopping for car insurance. Luckily, you'll find that switching to GEICO could save you hundreds of dollars a year. You'll keep this day of romance going at the hardware store by arguing for half an hour over the color of your backsplash. Love is indeed in the air, Capricorns. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. We want to do this before we get all the college football stuff. I want to compliment millennials. Okay, you guys take a lot of heat. We blame the Olympic ratings on you. Um, what else we blame you for? The decline of print media, I think. Yeah, you guys are killing newspapers because I used to love reading newspapers, man. I read one the other day that was like, "Are millennials eating too many sandwiches?" And you're like, "Are what? you guys not eating sandwiches? No, too many sandwiches. They eat too many sandwiches. Like what?" Hmm. That's might be a good point, though. What else are you blamed for, Saruti? you got to add in Verk here. Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Last year, over 3 million drivers switched to Progressive. Call or click today and find out if you could save. Napkins. Nobody's using napkins anymore. Millennials hate napkins. Well, I read a thing about how many millions of people fly, and that's that's millions of cocktail napkins. Just You could say, hey. like That's the thing. Is you go, like, am I supposed to worry about the napkin industry or Earth? <laughs> like I'm sorry to the napkin makers listening to the show right now, but is that how's that on millennials? All right, you know, here's why. Here's the NBA millennial thing, and it's very quick. Uh, sorry, cord cutting is a huge one too. People blame millennials for saying everyone's straight. Yeah, but you know Netflix, what? Except, but that's going to turn around. Yeah. That's going to turn around. Yeah, I, I have a little confidence. So, Good. when I look at today's NBA young player, like nobody likes the arrogant millennial at the office. And look, I'll admit, I don't like it either. But the way these young players are playing in the NBA and they're expecting to be great right away and they're they're playing almost in a dis- disrespectful manner, like that's actually a good thing. These young guys are not coming into the league being polite. They're walking into your house and they're putting their feet up on your coffee table without even introducing themselves. And saying, what's up? Yeah, hey, I'm here. Right. And when you're playing basketball, it's not great for your everyday guy in life, but when you're playing hoops, that's exactly the way you want to be. So arrogant, entitled, I'm here, I'm not waiting for my thing, millennial, who we all hate in the workforce, is great for the NBA. What do you think of that? 100%, because you don't want to be deferential. Is that a book? Did I just come up with a book deal? It could be a good, like, yeah, maybe shorten it, make it catch your title. Well, I'm going to need to be longer. Okay. I'm not, in a pamphlet here. But I think that that concept of, yeah, like in the past, rookies would come in, head down. or uh, Know your place. Right, know your place. There's some sort of uh, initiation. Like, how much do you hate the millennials stuff? that work on the college football stuff on Saturday? Like, know your place. All right. 
No, I, I don't think that's the case. But some, you, sometimes, you complain about those guys all the time. Well, no, so all I'll say is that they'll give like plays and stuff. They'll say, well, I noticed this. And I'm like, well, why don't you check with Jesse and Joy? Like, they actually played. Yeah, well, those, they not, played. You didn't. Right. I don't yeah. want to be that guy. But like, like, well, no, I think it was more the defensive yeah. pressure. It's okay to dislike that guy. What I'm telling you, though, is when yeah. Ben Simmons is going, I'm sorry, man. Like, I know I sat out a year and I'm a rookie, but. Yeah, but I'm not going to wait up? my turn. I'm 6'10". Get Let's out of the way. Let's go and get this done. I, I love agree. I love that theory. All right. I'm just throwing it out there. Get in touch with us at Rosillo Show, 1-800-Flowers.com, Twitter feed. Give me your top five college football vacancies, okay, or yeah. potential vacancies, because a lot of stuff going around. Well, the biggest one, of course, Chip Kelly works with us on ESPN2, does a great job with Chris Cotter, Jonathan Vilma. Did he not text Vilma back? Were you guys trying to get him on the show last night? Unbelievable. We, we tried with with great effort. <laughs> And when I saw Chip Saturday, first thing I said, I hope you don't mind. We were having a lot of fun at your expense, but trying to get in the show. He's like, yeah, I got a text from later on, but I was just kind of out and about. I'm like, no, I got you. Like, I'm not going to put you on the spot. But afterwards, Velma was giving it to me. He's like, yeah, yeah. Adney, look who I found. Look, Chip's over there. I'm like, okay. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get him next time. Maybe who that's because Chip's my guy and he didn't even want to come <laughs> on the show. That's what Michelle had said. She goes, if we get Chip on when Rosillo's not here, like, that's. I said, okay, maybe, maybe it's probably for the best and that Chip did not get back to Velma. But another producer used to do that with me, Charles Barkley, all the time. Hang on, Charles is your favorite athlete of all time. That can't happen. That's why they used to book him when I was gone. <laughs> so uh, we're trying to guess where Chip's going to go, and Velma and I and Connor and all of us are always bugging him. Yeah, and, and we all say, "Listen, you <laughs> trying to bug him? You think he's going to tell you?" <laughs> yeah, that just, I guess to guarantee just, that. Right, just give us an indication. We're not listen, we're not asking for <laughs> a, a little firm tease. deal. Just a tease, exactly. Yeah, and we all keep saying UCLA would be awesome for Chip with all the talent he was able to recruit at Oregon on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Imagine UCLA, LA, stockpile full of good athletes. UCLA, Mora, obviously, underachiever. UCLA, USC, obviously, a big game this weekend. Um, Rose and Donald's showdown. But I, we, we just feel like UCLA would be an attractive opening if, indeed, Jim Mora does get like Go. So, wait a minute. Is this top five for Chip Kelly or top, top five, five in general? I think UCLA. You put UCLA number one. I have Florida. Florida's number one. But we're, I was looking at Chip specifically. Okay. Florida's number one. Again, talent-rich landscape, major school, pedigree, SEC Easton, very good. Florida. Florida's one. You know what I would think would be nuts? Like if you ask the Bruce Feldmans, um, you know, the Andy Staples, some of the guys that we have on the show, mm-hmm. and the way they talk about jobs and the facilities, there's always that kind of facilities. They're big on the facilities. <laughs> airport weight room. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Will Kane was giving me a hard time yesterday because I kept referencing airports. But, but that's what, yeah, because he was big on Nebraska. He was very big on Nebraska. Like we that. had some Nebraska fans that were excited about Will's support of them. Yeah, but I, I thought to myself, like, I don't. Lincoln. I don't know if Nebraska's ever. Look, here's my. If I you had that money, the state the lack of talent. Yeah, yeah. I think it's 1.6 million people in Nebraska. Right. It's tough and, to recruit. And my point of Nebraska was how many great prospects outside of the state would go. You know what? You know where I want to go. Right. Is Nebraska. Yeah. And I don't think that that's. No, but I, I think, think that's your that point absurd. But your point, which is that most national champions are coming from a place that is well known. That's right. why you want to go with a Florida or a UCLA or Tennessee. Oh, wait a minute. We're at 1.9 million people in Nebraska. You know, yeah. Pardon me. People of Lincoln getting an influx of your population. Yeah, back in the 40s, there was a dip. I don't know if you guys know this, but back in 1933, about 1.4 million in Nebraska. Agriculture. Yeah. Yep. And then you, know, you fast forward 10 years, there was a little bit of a population migration. Right. And then we've been on a steady, a slow but steady rise in Nebraska since 1944. So, Florida is the job news. people would want. And Scott Frost, of course, did a great job at UCF indications maybe he could take the Gators job. I think Florida's one. I think UCLA, two. Tennessee, three. Ole Miss, four. SEC's what about a Did you not put A&M? Right? No, if, right. if, if someone, someone were if someone get like, yeah, okay, A&M, SEC. Some people would tell you A&M's number one. 
I wouldn't go that high personally. I, I would still take Florida. I mean, I understand. Would you take, I would, guess the reasoning is Texas. Again, you've got a great population, great recruits, a lot of talent to look forward to. You got support from the administration. The money situation is great, yeah. but it's also uh, can be overbearing. Is UCLA right. as overbearing as A and M? No, I don't, I don't think anybody would say that. No, to me, it's recruiting. So you go Florida. Yeah. I think A and M would be two, and then UCLA three. Yeah. What about Arkansas? Tough one. Didn't make didn't make the top five for you. Tough. We could probably do a more thorough version of that. <laughs> no, but I like the uh, 1930s inclusion about Nebraska. I mean, we give thought it was important to get that in there. No, no question. Like, what happened in the early 40s? Yeah, yeah. We don't want to cheat them. Yeah, fell off a little bit. <laughs> Rosillo Show, reminding if you're at work, you stream all three hours of the show on ESPNRadio.com. Are Clemson's wins more impressive than Oklahoma's wins? Uh, Kirby Hocutt, I believe, is insinuating that, and we're going to talk about it next with him from the college football playoff, the committee chair, Kirby Hocutt, with Adnan, the Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. Electricity charge inside Energy like a lightning strike Take one spark and I will ignite Never stopping, I won't stand by Now that Human Resources Director Ryan Lee has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent and time He's really on top of his game He even has his own hype song I'm the best beyond belief I got strength and got the speed Entire workforce Complete with different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. No, nobody catching up. They're not fast or strong enough. I got that electricity charging inside. Take one spot, yeah. I'm attracting and engaging the best people every step of the way. Never stopping, I won't stand by. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. Never stopping, I won't stand by. Team building exercise to celebrate our record uh, download number for podcasts last couple of months. Guy Dan Verk here. We did not invite you to the team building. I don't know if you were busy or not. Uh, no, it's okay. I think Michelle you be part mentioned of it, it actually. Michelle mentioned it in passing. I didn't get full details, but I, I could have uh, found my way along. But thank you for the invite. Honestly, now that I think about it out loud, we should have we should have done. No, something no. Listen, I, I I share in the victory. Even if I'm there or not there, I'm, yeah. I'm thrilled for you guys. Could have got you a to go order or two, maybe. <laughs> Uh, we were looking at doing this. We, look, we do it usually every Wednesday after the college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday, uh, but we're really pumped right now. Joining us here on the Rosilla Show with Adnan, it's Kirby Hocutt on the Shell Penzo performance line. Okay, Kirby, let's get right to it. Uh, we had a little bit more drama with this, and I think the biggest reaction when people looked at the unveiling of this is that Clemson at number two, still ahead of Miami, still ahead of Oklahoma. So before I even get to the Clemson-Miami thing, do you feel like the committee, apparently with the rankings here, that against, say, Auburn... Um, Virginia Tech, you know, NC State, these teams that you like Clemson's wins more than, say, Oklahoma's wins against TCU, Oklahoma State, and Ohio State? Well, the the selection committee is impressed with the body of work of, of both teams. Um, not, not much separation in the top five teams. Uh, definitely not much separation between the, the three that you just mentioned, Clemson, Miami, Oklahoma, both uh, impressive wins that you just mentioned. Um, so, you know, we impressed with both teams. Our charge is to go deeper. And when there's such small separation uh, between these teams, we really 
parse every every piece of their resume. And uh, we've done that and gave the edge to Clemson at that number two spot this week. But uh, not a lot of separation. Uh, the quality wins for, for both teams that you mentioned. Um, Oklahoma, you know, the three wins that you mentioned, all top 13 teams in this week's rankings. Those are, are some of the most impressive wins of the year, no, no question. So if you're telling me there's all this um... – this, this group of, of five at the top here, that it was very, very close. How would that separation compare, uh, the lack of separation now, compare with whatever separation we had, say, the previous week where it was Georgia-Alabama and then a one-loss Notre Dame? Yeah, the, you know, it's week-to-week uh, week things change uh, within this game. A uh, number of, of, of upsets that happened the week before, uh, ranking these inconsistent teams. Uh, these are comparable teams uh, after, you know, what the first, I guess, the first um, 10 weeks of the college football season. So um, it, it, it's close. I, I don't know exactly how to answer that question, but uh, the the five teams that are one through five this week are, are close in the eyes of the selection committee after 10 weeks. Uh, actually, 11 weeks. I'm sorry, 11 weeks of the college football season. Talking with now Kirby Hokan, college football playoff chairman. Um, Kirby, I'm just curious about the conversation that the committee has had between Auburn and Wisconsin. Of course, the Badgers' first 10-0 start in program history. Auburn uh, with a couple of losses, but obviously some great victories and a dominating one that we just saw this past Saturday. How uh, did the committee line up those two teams, Auburn and Wisconsin? Well, there's some separation uh, in between five Wisconsin and six Auburn right now. I wouldn't say that you know Auburn is as close to those top five teams as as one through five is together. Uh, Auburn, we've said, is is the best two loss team in the country uh, as of this particular uh, week in college football. Uh, we've said all all year long that Auburn's a, a physical football team on both sides of the ball. Obviously, uh, their convincing win against Georgia uh, impressed the selection committee, also a quality win over a, a good Mississippi State team. So, uh, But in comparison to, to Wisconsin, there is some separation between Wisconsin at number five and Auburn at number six. And, and also, just kind of looking ahead then, this weekend's going to be kind of tricky, I imagine, Kirby, because Clemson's hosting the Citadel. You know, Oklahoma's facing Kansas. Um, you know, might be a better game against Virginia Noon Eastern on ABC. But do you find that, I mean, obviously you're not necessarily just going week to week. You're trying to forecast and see where things end up. But two teams right now from the ACC in the top four, what would you say is the likelihood that ends up being the final result? Well, we are very uh, focused and, and careful within our deliberations, our discussions. Uh, that that we don't look we don't look forward. We we stay focused on what has transpired up to this particular time uh, within the college football season, and uh, we we make certain of that 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 we don't look forward. And then uh, secondly, our charge is to rank the the best teams in the country. The the um, you know the league affiliation, the conference affiliation with these particular teams. That's that's not mentioned uh, within within our our debate and our discussions. The only time that comes up or with our conference reports at the beginning of our meetings. Our our we have two liaisons from the selection committee that serve as point people with particular conferences. And they at the beginning of our meeting they'll give their conference report. But outside of that conference report, we don't we don't look at how many teams in a particular league are, are ranked in, in, in this week's rankings. 
Clemson uh, against Miami. How much is the Kelly Bryant injury uh, being talked about in the room in kind of defending Clemson's position right now in the rankings? Well, I I wouldn't say it's defending uh, Clemson's one loss, but it is uh, noted by the selection committee that that one loss came when uh, the quarterback was was injured to begin the game and then was concussed in the second quarter and missed the second half. So uh, the selection committee is, is well aware of that. Uh, that's a loss that was on the road uh, to Syracuse, uh, Oklahoma's loss being at home to Iowa State. So we're, we're discussing um, all of the, the wins, as you mentioned earlier, Ryan. We're also talking about the losses, what transpired uh, within those wins, what transpired within those losses, and, and, and uh, making sure that we separate and continue to evaluate these teams we, each week given the results that take place. I, I lost one for me, Kirby. I know you mentioned the fact that you're trying to just look at the best teams and not focus on balance, but no Pac-12 teams right now in the top 10. USC's at 11. They're hosting UCLA. So by that arithmetic, unless there's upsets, it's it's going to be tricky to get a team in the top 10, correct? Well, you know, again, we, we look at Southern California um, as, as a football team. We don't look at them as a uh, member of – their particular conference, uh, but we are impressed with Southern California. It's a team that's playing very good right now. Um, a team who had significant injuries um, at the beginning of the season, and they are getting healthy. They're getting all those players back. Uh, they had the loss to Washington State, where a significant number of those, those players were injured. Uh, they're back. They obviously uh, uh, have the loss to to a very good Notre Dame team. So we look at Southern California as a, a very good college football team this year, uh, deserving the number 11 ranking. And uh, we're excited to see uh, what they do the remainder uh, of the season, which is only one game for them because they have not had a bye week. So uh, we look forward to seeing how they finish uh, this weekend and oh. then uh, see what, what uh, happens in, 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 champ- in the conference championship weekend here in a few weekends. Yeah, same here, man. Look forward to talking to you next week, Kirby. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Ron. All Bye-bye. right. That's Kirby Hill cutting the Shell Pennzoil performance line, taking synthetic motor oil performance to a whole new level. Make the switch to Pennzoil Synthetics today. We got Thor. We got Outsider Mike, Makeover. We got all sorts of stuff. I don't know that we usually tease something like that. Team building. Team building. Okay. Um, so a Thor review coming up right here with Adnan. It's ESPN Radio. Geico presents Left Brain versus Right Brain. After much deliberation, I've decided we should switch to Geico. Hey, sounds good to me. We could save hundreds of dollars on our car insurance. Which, now I'm just blue sky in here, we can reinvest those funds into my business idea. Not this again. First, get some investors on board, right? Nobody is going to invest in dental floss made of turkey jerky. Okay, well not with that attitude. Wow. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. We're the top teams in the NFC against the AFC. And when you go to 10 deep in the NFC and then you match it up, say, even 10 in the AFC, it's actually pretty overwhelming. We're going to do it with Field Yates a little bit later. Also a reminder with Adnan Verk today on the Rosillo Show, 30 for 30 podcast return this week. These are stories you just have to hear to believe. Subscribe right now on the Listen tab of the ESPN app or Apple iTunes podcast area presented by Mini. Thor, go. Thor Ragnarok, the latest adventure from the Marvel Universe, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I said, I've got to see it if people seem to love it so much, both critics and fans alike. And I thought it worked at a good pace. Are you quoting Rotten Tomatoes right now? No, I'm just, that's how I talk. So I thought it was really well paced. Normally those movies tend to drag a little bit. 
and this is the whole feel that I have, Ryan, with these movies, is they're trying to jam as many superheroes in one film as possible, just as they're doing with Justice League, which is coming out this week. A lot of people are down on it, too. Yeah, 40% Ron is apparently terrible. So people are smart enough to go, you can't just crush together a bunch of heroes and figure it's going to work. But with Thor, you've got Loki, you've got Hulk, so it tends to be a nice bromance. Kate Blanchett's in the movie. She's great playing uh, Thor's sister. So even as somebody who doesn't know the iconography and the mythology as well as somebody who's a real comic book head, I'm able to follow it along. And it's funny. It's genuinely funny. I think they're following the template of a movie like Deadpool, which is so funny and so irreverent that they're trying to kind of follow Oh, they're doing some of that deal? It's it's not the R-rated comedy, profane comedy like Ryan Reynolds, but but I I think it's it's funnier than most Marvel Super Movies. I I I feel like the God of Thunder, though, is above that. And I was about to say, I I get your hesitation because you go, all right, just because Deadpool is so great, let's not start all making them like this, right? Imitation all of a sudden becomes this form of flattery. Like, Thor is not really a funny, wisecracking kind of guy. He isn't. Right? He's not got, the Thor I know. He's got the hammer. He's ready to go. But I enjoyed it. And one of the best parts of it, we once did overrated, underrated, properly rated. You know, I said Jeff Goldblum is very underrated. So Rudy said he's properly rated because everyone loves Jeff Properly Goldblum. rated. So Jeff Goldblum is great in Thor. Strong sporting performance. If you needed more reason to like it. I think you had Jeff Goldblum as overrated, if I'm not mistaken. Overrated. I? But he is in the movie. If, that, like if that's a... Properly yeah. rated. Oh, you know what? I think I, I think I did. I think because he's like his his weird. Yes. And everyone's like, oh, you yeah. know, it's oh, it's so amazing. I'm like, he's all right, but then uh, yeah, maybe overrated. Like, he's got blue fingernails in this one. He's kind of creepy. He's very eccentric, but I love Jeff Goldblum. So go check it out. You are absolutely right, though, about putting too many heroes in the same deal. Imagine if ESPN said, "Hey, we need to shake things up a little bit. We're going to get Van Pelt, Mike and Mike, Stephen A, and we're going to have Bob Lee stop by, you know, and then it's going to be." <sighs> That's a lot of star power. Round things out here. Right. Uh, you know, just, hey, like, you got a show. You guys all have a show now. We'll throw like Katie Nolan in there. Katie Nolan's big star, right? right? So Katie Nolan's in there now, and it's like, all right, go. That's too Avengers. much. Eventually, you go, somebody's not getting enough time. Like when you watch the Avengers, you go, hey, Jeremy Renner's awesome. Hawkeye, but he's not getting enough love. Hawkeye's here. just kind of boring. Like, right. Bow and yeah. arrow, we get it. You know, it's called Robin Hood. <laughs> he already is kind of a weak superhero. Then you're right. Yeah. Against those guys, he's getting completely diminished. Like Hawkeye's a standalone film. Like <laughs> Hawkeye standalone? No, the backstory's not as interesting. Right. You know, that's why they were one of the deals they go, hey, you're going to become an evil guy because your whole thing. I mean, that's my whole stance against Black Widow. You guys could say it's it's sexist. It isn't. She's boring. Right. It just is. You, you know? hype for Black like, Panther. They had the trailer for that movie yesterday. Right. Okay. So Again. what else? What other ones are coming out? Do you know of any other ones? What's the most obscure hero movie that's coming out? I don't know. Justice League, obviously, everyone's talking about this weekend. Black Panther next year. Justice League's getting destroyed. Yeah, people like, are saying it's awful. Which, if you think about it, Batman vs. Superman, I don't think you you or I were a fan I of I haven't one. even watched it. I caught some of it yeah. on, on a plane, and, you know, Zuckerberg there was playing the evil guy, right? And Jesse he, Eisenberg yeah. was awful, yeah. Yeah, and he but did, who played Zuckerberg in the social He network. was trying to do this kind of long-winded Lex Luthor deal, oh. and... Irritating. It, it wasn't... It, it was like... It was trying to be so deep. It was almost as if Zuckerberg from the social network took peyote and then was fighting Batman <laughs> and then gave him a speech. Right. And that's like not a crescendo. Mix. Right. Yeah. Peyote, Facebook, they don't add up. Batman versus Superman was a disappointment. Yes, Rudy? It, was, it wasn't as much of a disappointment as Suicide Squad. Suicide that was Squad, the worst awful. Another example of putting a ton of superheroes together, and only one was great. Harley Quinn is Margot Robbie. Or excuse me, Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn. The rest of it, you're like, this is just pointless. I was offended Harley when Quinn, I walked out of that. Harley Quinn's Margot Robbie? What were you saying, Sorry, Sorry. I was offended when I walked out of that movie. Yeah, I was offended. Awful. Yep. So DC's not been able to pull it together. Is that what we're hearing? 
All right, Outsider, you love comic books. Yeah, Outsider should chime in. I, no, it's just a lot of DC hate going on around here. I don't know. I mean, yeah, the storytelling is a little bit, it, it's not up to, you know, Marvel speed, but it's not that bad. Okay, well, speaking of storytelling, you have a story to tell. Oh. People are accusing you in this new, the new hot, that you're the, you're, that you have a wig. Yeah, that Will Kane yesterday, uh, well, first he thought I was coloring my hair. You're not coloring your hair. Well, define coloring. Changing it to a different color. Well, then maybe, yeah. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. He's, uh, Will wasn't being critical, was he? He was just asking. No, I don't think he was being a I don't think he was taking a shot at me. I think he, he liked it, but he was just what a are little you bit doing? startled by it. Your hair is thicker it's and darker. It's definitely thicker. There's right. no question. All I'm doing is I'm, I'm using this stuff that you sprinkle on your head that that volumizes your hair. But, yeah, it's not maybe the exact same color of my regular hair. Right, but everyone so says it so looks you're, great. You're using a volumizer, and you're also using a little bit of color. Yeah, but now Will Kane is saying, well, that's the same thing as a piece. No, it's not. That, are you kidding? <laughs> How does volumizer and uh, a little bit of color all of a sudden mean a toupee? He Come said, on, outsider. You're going to stand up for yourself, man. He said, would it hold up in the rain? And I said, no. And he goes, yeah. then it's a piece. Yeah, I think that's being a little strict with it. So you're doing a full makeover? What stage are we right now? I know. We're in the final stages. And I tried to actually do it gradually so it wasn't so startling to people. It freaked people yeah. out, man. No, I don't, everyone says no, it I, listen, I think you look good. I, but but I just, think you look great. Like I didn't see it in a while. I'm like, oh, man, the hair's thicker. What's next? <laughs> Veneers? Calf implants? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? What do, you, good, what do you want to do next to improve yourself? To improve myself? Yeah. I don't know. Get rich. Good goal. Put that on Instagram. I think he's or well die trying. Yep. Okay. Up next, the NFC versus the AFC. It's overwhelming. CSPN Radio.